Well, hey, good morning again, and welcome to Alive Family Church. You guys all doing good this morning? Man, it is a great morning to be in God's house. It's a super Sunday, amen? Super Bowl, all right? Again, we still are praying for people week after week about a team that's not in the game tonight, all right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, we'll be all right. It's okay, all right? Um, I'm not a 49ers fan, but I guess I wore 49ers gold today, so I don't know if that's prophetic. I hope not. I don't know. We'll see. But I don't care. Anybody got the 49ers winning tonight? Let me just see a show of hands. Couple. All right. Tough crowd. Anybody got the Chiefs winning tonight? Anybody got the Lions winning tonight? Come on. Yes. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a tough subject this year. It's like, all right, let's watch some commercials. Usher's doing the halftime show. I mean, what the heck? Yeah. It's like, what, what, what happened to this world, you know? Uh, but hey, good morning again and welcome to church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you guys joining us. Um, we are in week two of a series this month that we've titled, Wait Till I Get My Money Right. And uh, man, we kicked it off last week and we looked at a scripture last week that I believe is prophetic for the times that we find ourselves in right now. And we, we read it from 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 2. I want to reread this for you guys again because I believe it locates what we all are sensing and feeling. In this passage of scripture, it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Stop right there. Perilous times in the Greek literally translates stressful times. So in the last days, there'll be stressful times. What will be going on on the earth? For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, hello, right? Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, and it keeps going on and on and on. I'll spare you all the details. But in the last days, there will be stressful times and people will be lovers of money, both inside and outside the church. If we're honest, so many that I've talked to, so many that I know are dealing with financial hardship, dealing with financial stress, financial pressure. And uh, that's why we're doing this series. We looked last week at just so many uh, staggering statistics of how Americans are managing their money and how we're not doing that great of a job, right? And, and, and that's the reason why we're taking four weeks to talk about stewardship, to talk about our finances, to talk about money. Because whether we like it or not, it all affects our life. And we need it to do life, right? And we need it to work for us, not against us. And how many of you guys know God wants us to be blessed, not stressed when it comes to our money, Amen. He wants to release that stress and that pressure and show us how to win at it, how to manage it, how to steward it well. And so that's why we're talking about money this month. And if you weren't with us last week, I totally get this. It just, there's like such a stereotype on this. Like people get funky in church when you start talking about money. It's like, oh man, anything but money, pastor. You can talk about anything, but don't start talking about my money. And it ought not be that way. Amen? If we're believers, if we're followers of Jesus, we want to do things his way. And God actually has a lot to say about money in his word. I mentioned this last week, but out of the 38 recorded parables that Jesus taught, 16 of the 38 deal with the topic of money. One out of 10 verses in the gospel, one out of every 10 deals with money. And if you look at the Bible in its entirety, there's over 500 verses on prayer, Less than 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses that deal with money and possessions. Why? It only makes the book if it's important, if it's needed to be there. And I believe God understands the importance of us knowing how to properly manage, maximize, and multiply his money for kingdom purposes and for us to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen? And so we're spending some time on this. And uh, someone say, wait till I get my money right. 
Yeah, wait till, God, wait. And I believe he's like, I'm waiting. He's like, oh, honey, oh, sir, I'm, I'm waiting. I want you to get it right. I'm not a mean judge or taskmaster. I'm a loving father, and I know how this thing works. And I know the power that money has to draw our hearts away. I know the power and destruction that can happen with money in the wrong hands. But I know the great good. I know the eternal impact. I know the the potency of us aligning our minds and our perspectives and our hearts to God's way and God's plan. And so he is unashamed. And today, I'm going to be unashamed. Amen? Because God is for us, not against us. Amen? And so last week I mentioned as well, just if in case you're a first-time guest or visitor, we talk about money like once every six years. You know what I'm saying right here? We've done like two series over six and a half years. We've been a church. We don't talk about money every week. We believe God loves a cheerful giver. We believe there's promises attached when we do what we're going to talk about next week and the week after. But beyond that, we believe God is for you. But there's no hidden agenda with the series, all right? Just so you know and can relax and, and maintain because a lot of people find out they're teaching about money and say, I'll see you in the next month. Let me know when the new series is. No, don't peace out. I feel, I feel like God's got something for you, right? There's no hidden agenda. This isn't a money grab by the church. There's not gonna be like some high pressure manipulative sales at the end of the series where we all just wait until we get a certain amount dropped in the bucket, all right? Uh, we're not starting another building campaign or capital campaign on the tail heels of this series. All we care about is that we all walk in God's perfect will for our life. I feel such a sense of burden and anointing and weight from the Lord to teach God's people about what his word says about how to handle his money. Amen? And when we get it right, it will bless every area of our life. And so if you weren't here last week, I shared a message in week one titled Money on my mind, right? And we talked about four different perspectives or mindsets that we should have when it comes to money. Just real quick, we talked about number one, it's God's money, not our money, right? Number two, we talked about money isn't evil, it's a tool, right? We shouldn't play, it's not a toy to play with, it's a tool to use for God's glory, right? Number three, God doesn't mind you and I having money, right? He just minds when money has us, right? And then lastly, number four, our heart follows our money. I don't have it for the screens, but Matthew 6, 21, Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? So we're going to pick up our conversation this week and continue it. But if you missed last week, I, I can't stress it enough. Go back and listen to the podcast. Go watch the sermon message. Everything that we're talking about today and the next two weeks builds on that uh, unified uh, vision of what we talked about last week. It really helps be the foundation and the springboard for us to talk about some deeper things when it comes to money. But today, as we continue our conversation, the Lord has dropped a message on my heart that I've titled, God's Money Managers. God's Money Managers. Whether you and I realize it or not, we have been enlisted as God's money managers here on earth, right? And now this is a big deal. It's it's a high honor, and it also comes with it a high responsibility and weight. And so we're going to learn a little bit more about what all that entails and how to do it his way. But first, would you join me as we go to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts and minds to receive from his word today. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And man, we just thank you for an opportunity to be in your house today, to lift up the name of Jesus, to worship you, to proclaim your goodness and your faithfulness and your glory in our lives and in our community. Father, you've been so good and faithful to us, and Lord, you're not going to stop. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Father, we know you're a good father, and you have good plans for your kids. You want what's best for us when it comes to the area of possessions and finances. And so, Father, we want to lean in 
Rid us of any preconceived notions or any offense, Lord God. We, we ask you to remove it right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you for open hearts and open minds to receive your word from heaven this morning, Lord God. May it be like honey to our souls, Lord God. May it lead us and guide us in the way that we should go. And Holy Spirit, may you convict, challenge, and lead and guide us in the place that you're calling us to. Lord, we thank you that we are blessed to be a blessing, and we call it done in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, Amen. So hey, real quick, we're going to get to a passage of scripture that we're going to camp out on for most of the morning. But before that, I wanted to give just an opening thought, and it's this. God wants you and I to live a blessed life, amen? And this just doesn't mean just finances, this means every area of our life, but finances is included in it. If you guys are looking for a great resource in tandem uh, to this series, I cannot recommend enough Pastor Robert Morris of Gateway Church's materials on this. He's got two books that are kind of hand in hand. One is called The Blessed Life, and one is called Beyond Blessed. And both of them kind of talk about these two things that I just wanted to mention here quickly because I love his analogy. He says, the life of blessing when it comes to our finances walks on two legs. Any of you guys walk in here on two legs this morning? Praise God, right? It's a little awkward, but one. But the life of blessing walks on two legs. Those two legs are generosity and financial stewardship. Generosity and financial stewardship is how the blessed life happens. And he says, when you start focusing on only one area and neglect the other, it gets a little funky, right? So if you only focused on generosity and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving, but your finances are a mess, you're up in a mountain of debt, right? And you have no idea where your money's going, you will literally walk in circles. You're giving, you're giving, you're giving, but your financial stewardship leg isn't there helping you move forward. Does that make sense? Then on the flip side, if you only focus on financial stewardship, which a lot of us get, I'm going to live on a budget, I'm going to live off less than I make, I'm going to save, I'm going to avoid debt, I'm going to do all these great things, all great things, and we're looking at God's word the next coming weeks of what he says about that and how to do it his way. But if we only do that and we don't give, we're doing all this financial stewardship stuff, but we're not walking and going anywhere. What does this tell us? This says that, hey, the blessed life takes both working together, both generosity and financial stewardship working together really allows God's blessing to be on our finances, amen? And some of us, we can locate ourselves right now. We're good at one and we're good at the other, right? Or maybe we don't have either working for us and that makes a whole lot of sense of why things are a mess right now and we're so stressed that we can't be blessed. But God wants to remove that spirit on us in this series, amen? And he wants to help us and show us how to do it a better way, amen? And so you guys tracking with that? Awesome. All right. Let's dive in, though. We're going to go over to God's word today because for the remainder of our time, we're going to talk about financial stewardship and not just the how-tos because I know a lot of you guys are like, how do you do this? We're going to deal with that in week three and week four, right? I feel like these first two weeks, God really made it very clear, I want to speak to hearts. I want to prepare the soil of the heart before I give you a bunch of how-tos. Why? Because if transformation does not happen in the heart, it will never move to our head and it will never move to our hands. Amen? And so we can have a lot of knowledge about money and how to manage it, but if our heart hasn't been touched by the Lord to do it his way, it will never amount to any difference in how we actually manage our dollars and cents, what we do in our budget, where we give, where we don't give. But when God gets a hold of our hearts, how many of you guys know he wants our whole heart? Everything changes. Amen? And so we're going to dive in and really focus on the heart of stewardship today. And we're going to go over to a passage of scripture found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you got your Bibles, open up to Matthew 25 because we're going to be there for a while. If you 
do that electronically. You can turn those on on the Bible app. We're going to look at the parable of the talents over in Matthew chapter 25. If you're taking notes, Matthew 25 verse 14 all the way through verse 30. That's where we're kind of camping out. We're going to read it all. I'm going to probably pause a million times in the midst of reading it because it's just so good. We're just going to talk about some things, but we will get to the end of it. And then for the remainder of our time, we're going to break down what God wants us to take away from it. All right. So Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents. Y'all ready? All right. Start in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like, pause. So Jesus is teaching a parable, another story to illustrate something. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like. So what he's basically saying is you want to know what kingdom culture is? Do you want to know what heaven's perspective is on how to manage our money? Lean in. I'm going to tell you a story. And so he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Pause for a second. That word talents. What happens often when we hear that word talent? I think a lot, if, you're on a, if, if I'm honest, I always thought for a long time, when he's talking about talents, I thought about like special skills and abilities, right? He gave one talent. He gave, this one's good at playing music, this one's good at money, and this one's good at football, right? He's not talking about talents or abilities. He's talking about money. I'll prove that to you in a few more verses from the scripture. It'll interpret itself. But I think we've got to make sure we're all in the same place. We're talking about a sum of money that this master, this owner, is giving to his stewards or his servants, all right? He goes on, he says, he gave five to another two to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. This is interesting. This is important. They all weren't given the same amount. They were given an amount based on their ability or based on their ability to steward or handle it. All right? And we'll come back to this and we'll really talk about what this means for you and I. You go on in verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went on and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received the one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. All right, so what did that last servant do and bury in the ground? He hid his Lord's money. Here's one thing. Money. He didn't hide his Lord's ability to play piano or to serve in kids' church. All great things. He hid his Lord's money. And whose money was it? Whose money was it? The Lord's. He hid the Lord's money, not his money. He hid the Lord's money, right? We'll come back to this. Verse 19. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. This is an important detail too. How many of you guys know the master is coming back to settle accounts? Jesus will one day come back and settle accounts with all of us. This shows that God cares about what we do with his finances while we're here on the earth. Amen? He, 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 we're going to talk a lot about this in a few minutes here, but he cares how well we manage what he entrusts to us, right? And here's the deal. The Lord is going to return, and when he returns... He's going to be expecting a return. That's heavy and weighty, isn't it? The Lord will return because he prophesied he will do what he said he's going to do. And when he returns, he's expecting a return. All right, so let's move on. Verse 20, so he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I've gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a well-known phrase in the church world, isn't it? 
How many of you all want to hear that one day said about you? I know I, know I do. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what the crazy thing is? I've been studying this this week and sitting in this this week. This is the only time in the Bible that this phrase is used. The only other time is Matthew 25, what we're reading now, and Luke 19, which is just the parallel parable of the talents according to Luke's account, gospel account. The only two times that it's mentioned. And guess what? It's referring to how you and I handle money. Crickets. Oh, he was a great brother of the Lord. He served the Lord on staff for this, and he did all that. Yeah, and we hear that, and we, at a funeral we say, well done, good and faithful servant. And they were a good, faithful servant. And they did bust butt for the kingdom. And they did all that great things. But God's not talking about how much times you came to church on Sunday. He's not talking about how many hours in kids' church. He's saying, how well did you manage the finances I put in your possession? Whoa. Everyone say, whoa. Wait till I get my money right. Right? Again, I know this is heavy, but uh, I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, are you serious? Yeah. He says, I'm watching, I'm looking. Let's keep moving on, all right? There's more to this. He, he also, verse 22, he also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said, I'm well done, good and faithful servant, for you've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here, you have what is yours. But his Lord said to him, verse 26, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed, so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have at least received back my own with interest. This is, this is pretty heavy stuff, right? He calls the man that just sat on it, that just buried it, that didn't be, wasn't faithful and wasn't a good steward with what the Lord had entrusted him, a wicked and lazy servant. This is really strong language, I would say. Would you agree? And I was like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do here? That's, that's strong language. He's like, I'm trying to show how serious I am about this stuff. I want to alert my people through this parable that how we handle our money matters to me, the Lord says. And, and, and I care about this just as much as I care about your salvation, I care about your health, I care about your marriage, I care about your family, and all the other things that people get excited about in my church. I care about the finances, and I care how we do this, right? And how we, how we steward it, all of it hinges on that, right? And so stewardship and proper management are important to the Lord. Let's finish this parable, and then we'll break it down. Verse 28, so take the talent from him, the one who sat on it. And give it to him who has ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So we see that the more is given to the servant who has more. Why? Because he is a good steward, and God can trust him with that, right? And then in the remainder verse, is pretty dark. It says, verse 30, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The end. And that, my friends, is the parable of the talents. Good night, you know, sweet dreams, right? It's like, whoa, okay. So for the remainder of our time together, I know there's some heavy stuff talking about here. Again, remember, the whole spirit of this series is God is for us, not against us. He wants to help us, not hinder us. He wants to get things in order, not keep them out of order. He wants alignment, amen? So Father, what do you want to teach us and show to us specifically from this parable? Because his word still speaks a better word today, amen? 
His word is still working and moving and active. This isn't just a story, and that was great there and then. No, this, this applies to you and I right now, today. Amen? And so for the remainder of our time together, I want to cover just a couple key points that I believe we can all take away from this parable. You guys ready? So if you're out there taking notes, number one, number one is this. We are not the owners. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not the owner. Turn to your second choice and say, neither are you. (laughs) I'm not the owner's. We talked about this last week, right? And for some reason, the Lord and the Holy Spirit are just getting stuck on this one because I believe there's some anointing and some breakthrough revelation on this simple point. We said it this week, or last week we said it this way, it's God's money, it's not our money. We are not the owners, right? Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. What did we say last week? He said, everything is the Lord's. And everything that you and I have in life is on loan from God. Amen? When we really get down to the root of it, if he really is our Lord and our creator, everything we have is on loan because God has allowed it in our life. This revelation and this perspective will literally change your life. Let me go on a, a little journey with you guys. Any, anybody like diamonds in the room? Any, ladies, any diamonds on your hands? Any diamond rings? Diamond, we're the diamond lovers. Come on, hey, don't be ashamed, right? Diamond, you got a diamond or diamonds? Hey, shiny, right? You like shiny things, right? You like a big rock. Hey, diamonds. Guess what? That diamond or those diamonds, it came from God's coal, right? That hunk of metal that you guys drove in on four wheels this morning, you know what I'm talking about? aka a car, right? That hunk of metal that you drove in, that came from God's earth. Whether it was a Bugatti or a beater, that ore and that minerals is God's, amen? Come on, somebody. Your fit, your clothes you're wearing this morning, anybody wearing clothes? Praise God, we all are. All right, security, right? (laughs) This church is just so free. I just love it. It's so alive. It's like, ma'am, you're gonna need to step outside. Your clothes... The threads came from God's plants, yes? The home you live in, man, the wood, the trees, the the glass, the stone, everything came from God's earth. Even the footballs that will be used in the Super Bowl game tonight, they're not Patrick Mahomes, they aren't Travis Kelsey, they definitely aren't Taylor Swift's, all right? They're not Brock Purdy's, right? They're, They're not... McCaffrey's or Kittle's or anything, they are God's pigs taken from his earth filled with air. Are we all on the same page? We would all agree with this, right? God says in Haggai chapter 2 verse 8, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The other thing, we all agree with that, and then I say this next statement, it gets, watch this. The money that you have in your bank accounts right now is God's. Whew. It's God's. It's his. It's actually his. And so what does that do? That makes God the owner, not us the owner. Amen? Are you guys tracking? So in the parable of the talents that we just read, we see that money, the money that was given to the servants wasn't the servant's money. 
It was the Lord's money that he entrusted for them to manage, right? The reason why I feel like we're getting so stuck on this one point is because this is foundational if we're ever going to win at money, if we're ever going to do it God's way, and we're ever going to be open-handed instead of closed fists when it comes to the finances that we have in our control. The truth and the perspective that we are not owners and that it's God's money, not his, will literally change your life. It will change your life. Because why? Because when something's not ours, we should handle it differently, right? Have you guys ever borrowed somebody's really nice car for a minute? Or maybe stayed in somebody's really nice house where they're gone on vacation? What happens in those scenarios? Now, if you're doing it right, all right, you drive a little more carefully, you take that thing through the car wash, and you fill up and you top that tank of gas up before you give it back, Right? If you're staying in a nice house, you take your shoes off when you get there. You're not plopping your stinky toes up on the table. You're not making a mess. You're doing a massive deep clean before you give it back. Because why? You want to leave it better than how you found it. If this same mindset and attitude could, Lord, just please creep into the way we handle God's money, we'd all be doing differently in a good way. Amen? When it's not ours, we handle it differently, right? And so we begin to have the same mindset because we're not owners, right? Because number two, my second point is this, we're stewards. Everyone say stewards. We are stewards. Let me define some stuff for you guys real quick because we hear steward and stewardship a lot in church. Like, what the heck does that mean? Let's just break it down real simply. A steward is someone an owner and trust with the management of his assets. Somebody an owner and trust with the management of his assets, his money, his possessions. Stewardship is the management of the property or ownership of somebody else. Okay, so are we on the same page here? So God calls us to be stewards, not owners. We get to partner with him, but we ain't him. Amen? Right? He's the owner. We are the servant or the steward. And so in the parable of the talents, the master calls his servants to him and entrusts him with money. In Matthew 25, verse 14, in the Passion Translation, it reads this way. Again, heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over them. So the servants were expected to steward the finances. And so another way that we could say this or think about this concept is this. We are God's money managers. You and I are God's money managers. Okay? Okay? Luke, chapter 12, or Luke 16, 1 through 2, this is another parable, the parable of the unjust steward. We're not going to go into super detail on this, but I like, I like the wording and the phrasing on this. Luke 16, 1 and 2, Jesus told the disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. This guy got demoted. He got fired, all right, because he wasn't managing the assets or the financial resources well, according to the master, right? In order for us to get our money right, we're going to have to constantly remind ourselves that, hey, we're not the owners, we're stewards. You and I are actually God's money managers, and this should change our behavior with money. Because like, I think we all understand this. If you think in the natural practical world, in the financial world, right? If, If there's a financial advisor, maybe you do that for a living or maybe you go to one, right? And a good investment manager doesn't do whatever he wants with his client's resources, right? He doesn't, that's not his money. No, 
if he's a good financial manager, he's hearing the goals of that couple or that individual. He's understanding where they're at and where they want to be at a certain age. He's understanding how aggressive or not aggressive they want to be with those investments. And he listens to the counsel and the ways to get the vision for how he's going to handle that and steward those finances. Amen? That's in the financial world. It's the same way with God. We should be like, God, what, what do you want me to do with your money? How do you want me to allocate it on a monthly, yearly basis? What must be priority and must, what must stop being priority in my budget, right? Because the steward cannot do his job well unless he clearly understands what's his and what's not his, right? We can't do our job well as a steward if we don't understand that it's God's and not ours. Because if we think it's ours, we'll do whatever we want. How many of you guys know sometimes we do right, but oftentimes we get off track, amen, very easily, very quickly, and it snowballs out of control. And guys, this, this principle of stewardship, it's not something new that Jesus made up. It's been there since the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1. You guys, remember Adam and Eve, they were able to eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God put in the garden, he said you should not eat of. What is God doing here even in the very first scene that we see? He says, you can do all of this, but he puts one tree in the middle of the garden. Why? To remind Adam and Eve that they aren't the owners. Come on. Everything this, but, but remember who made all of this and allows you to do this. Th- this one you don't touch, right? And so the first temptation from Satan is really, in essence, you will be like God. You will be like an owner. You'll be the owner. And one of our first falls as mankind was simply we weren't content just being attending and keeping steward, but we wanted to be owners. We wanted to be like God. We wanted to know, right? And so it got us in trouble. Let's talk about this, uh, this, the master giving uh, the money according to the steward's ability. Let's talk about ability just for a second, right? Because in the parable of talents, we see that Jesus gave them sums of money based on their ability. Matthew 25, verse 15, and and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. This is huge. God gives to us in proportion to the capacity we have to steward it and manage it well. So not everyone was entrusted with the same amount of money, right? Someone's like, that ain't fair. And my mama always said, life ain't fair. And my mom's in the second row. Praise God. I don't know if she said that or not, but everybody's mom said, woke up, newsflash, life ain't fair. That's how it works because God does not waste anything. And he will not entrust it to a steward that's going to be wicked and lazy and sit on it and bury it if they're not ready to handle that increase. So sometimes it's like, yes, we need to reduce our expenses. And sometimes it's, yes, we need to increase our streams of income. But oftentimes where we get psyched out of the enemy trip is we need to be be better at what God has already given us. He's waiting till we get our money right until he hooks us up with some more. Amen? Because if you're faithful with a little, I will entrust you with more, we saw in this parable, amen? And we don't like to hear that. We ain't getting shouting down when that's being preached. But that is the truth, that sometimes we just got to be faithful with what God has put in our hand, amen? So God gives to us according to our ability. Now, the good news is that we can grow in our stewardship, amen? This, is a, this isn't a doom and gloom message. This is a message of hope, that wherever we find ourselves financially, we can grow and get better at doing it God's way, Amen? No matter how much of a mess you feel like you're in financially or how blessed and good you're doing right now, there is room for growth in this if we lean into the Lord, amen? And so this is going to help all of us. 
Side note, we're talking about talents of money. Okay, so it's not a talent, it's actually money. What are we talking about? Back in Jesus' time, real quick, this might help some of you guys out, there was a talent of gold and a talent of silver, all right? And I won't bore you for time's sake with all the history or the conversion rate to denarii, which was the currency at that time, but I will let you know this. This wasn't a small sum of money. Bible scholars and scholars themselves believe that one talent today with inflation and all the years that have passed would be equivalent to $1.5 million. So to one, he gave five talents. Do the math there. One got $7.5 million. One got $3 million. And one got a million dollars. All right, now we're talking. <laughs> we're talking millions, all right? So, so the one who got five talents, according to God, because he gives to with ability, God knew that, that that steward had the ability to turn that five into ten. He knew that that was a ten-talent person, right? Or an equivalent, a $15 million capacity in that person's hand, right? God knew that the, the person that got two talents had a manage, an ability to double it and make it four talents, right? Or, or $6 million. And he knew that the one that got one, the 1.5 million, the one talent, knew that that person had the capacity and ability to turn that into three million, but that, was called, that servant became called wicked and lazy because he didn't do anything with it. He didn't follow the master's instructions, right? And Deuteronomy 8.18, we saw this last week, but maybe from a fresh angle, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. God is the one that gives us power. I like how the NIV says it. It says, he's the one who gives you the ability to produce wealth. God gives us the ability, and he's blessing those that have the ability, right? So God gives you and I the power. God gives you and I the ability to make money. We should do good with it and bring a return for him, amen? We should put it to work for his kingdom purposes, right? But like we saw in the parable, some people don't. Some of us don't. We, we bury it. We sit down. We get nervous. We get scared. We say, I'll just give it back, right? We are God's stewards. We are God's money managers. Therefore, we should be asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do and how do you want me to handle this? Because whether we like it or not, and whether we realize it or not, God is watching what we're doing with money. And if you don't believe me, other scriptural references, you guys remember in Matthew, or sorry, Mark 12, 41 through 44, I don't have time to go there. Jesus was watching all the people put money and drop money into the money box. And all the guys with the fat stacks were dropping a lot of money, but they made a lot of money. They weren't really giving out of, they were just giving a little extra. They're tipping God, and it was a lot. Of, but then the one person, the widow, right, gave the two mites. She gave everything she had. And Jesus made an example out of that situation. You can't tell me that God's not watching what we do with money. He's very leaned in because he knows where our money is, there our heart goes also. And he's a jealous God, not in like... He's a jealous God because he wants our heart. And he doesn't want money to have our heart. He wants us to have our hearts rooted in him. And so he's watching what we do with our finances, right? I think as I was praying this morning, this came up and, and challenged me to the core. So maybe it'll encourage or challenge you as well. But I think that many of us are willing to make Jesus the savior of our finances, but we're not willing to make him the Lord of our finances. That really got me. <laughs> right? Like, Lord, I'm in a financial jam, and Lord, I want more, more, more. Help me. Come be my Savior. Save me from this mess I've got myself into. We're all like, yeah, and God is faithful. He meets our needs. He provides for us. He's Jehovah Jireh. Come on. He's El Shaddai more than us. I believe in all of that, but 
if he's not Lord over our finances, then we are still saying that we're owners of it, which means we get to call the shots. And I believe that is dangerous territory because it keeps us as owners and not stewards, right? God has called us to be money managers, not money owners. Amen. And hopefully, hopefully you feel by the spirit these last two weeks, if you've been with us, that, that if, if we've had a grip on money in a unhealthy way, that God's gently saying it's okay to go like this. It, it will come back. It's just a tool. It's just, you, you just, just, just go like this with me. Amen? It hurts. It's hard. It brings unsecurity. If you want peace and like it's all, sometimes it doesn't all add up and make sense. But man, God knows what he's doing. He created everything. It's all his. And so when we do it his way, that is the blessed way. Amen? And so challenge to you guys, man, if we're really God's stewards, then we should be constantly asking the Lord when we get paid, how frequently that is, what would you like me to do with this? But we get stuck in these rhythms of every week or every two weeks or every month. We just do this, we do this, we do this there's nothing left. No. We do this, we do this, there's nothing left. Oh, we charge it, charge it, charge it. We just, we just get stuck in this rat race and God's like, yo, you're my manager and I need a meeting. I would like to call a meeting right now. I would like to get your head up a little bit and say, there's a different way that we could do this. But we just go, oh, no, Lord, I'm just doing mine. I'm making mine. I'm working those hours. I'm pulling that overtime. I made that idea. I grew that business. I, I got this. You don't know. I'll ask you to bless me when I need it, right? And we just kind of keep doing this. And God's like, oh, my gosh. You can keep doing you, but my goodness, I want to help you. My goodness, I want to get you out of that mud. I want you to get your head up onto a higher place. I want to show you a greater vision. And when we submit to that, when I surrender, we were singing about that this morning. I surrender. I want to know you more in every area of this, Lord. Help us with this. If God's the owner and we're the steward, then, then we should be managing money entrusted to us as the way the manager wants us to manage it and not how we think we ought to manage it. Amen? And so this means we don't get to do whatever we want to do with our money. And that's, that's a, hard, it's a hard thing to, to swallow sometimes, but it is, it is the Lord's way. And remember, he's a good father. And so he's got us. He's got us. Amen? Someone say, he's got me. God's got you. It's okay. It's okay, we're treading into some uncertain territory right now, right? And it, it's uncomfortable and it's, whew, right? But God is for us, not against us, amen? The last one, number three. We are called to be good stewards, all right? So we're not the owners, number one. We're called to be stewards, but I want to clarify this, number three. I feel like the Lord wanted to make this clear. We are called to be good stewards, amen? Everyone say good. Good stewards, right? Matthew 25, verse 21, and his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant, right? This was the master's, or in, in essence, in this parable, this is Jesus' response to the two servants that doubled it, right? Well done, good and faithful servant. And again, this has been around from the very beginning. The first command that God ever gave to mankind in the garden in Genesis 1, was be fruitful and multiply, Amen. Be fruitful and multiply, right? God's original plan for mankind is his eternal plan for mankind. It's for you and I even today. And so this applies to our finances. Notice that, 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 that God calls the increase of the two stewards good and faithful. Did you notice that? They increased the amount of money. And God calls it good and faithful. This is huge, and I think something that we need to take away this morning is this. Good stewardship is not maintaining. Good stewardship is growing. 
Good stewardship isn't just maintaining, sitting on it, burying it. Good stewardship is actually growing it, growing what has been entrusted to you, growing what has been given to you. On the flip side, what did he all say to the servant that just sat on it and buried it? We saw that in Matthew 25, 26. But the Lord answered him and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Yikes. We could say it another way, you bad and unfaithful servant. Good and faithful, bad and unfaithful. Why? Because I didn't do anything with God's money. He did his own thing, right? This is huge. Faithfulness results in fruitfulness. When we're faithful, God will see that we'll be fruitful. And here's the deal. Faith, here's what I know about faith. Faith doesn't maintain. Faith grows, amen? Faith increases, Faith helps us multiply. Again, we're talking about multiplying and maximizing God's resources in our care. Because here's the deal. God will not multiply what you and I fail to maximize. God can't multiply what we're not being good stewards of. He wants to bless it. But we gotta be faithful. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful servant. Remember, the master is going to return and he's expecting a return. He doesn't waste anything. He told the wicked and lazy guy, at least put it in the bank for that peanut point zero 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 of a fraction of a penny interest. Thank you. Be better than just burying it, right? And the coolest thing is, God deposited his money into three human being people. I don't know if you've ever had this revelation, but you and I are God's bank. Woo! You and I are God's bank. He deposits money into our account, maybe from our paycheck, maybe for our labors, whatever. He puts it in, and he's expecting a return. He's expecting a return. So when it comes to God's money, I think we need to value it like an owner, but manage it like a steward. Make sure it is important and that we take it seriously but remember it's not ours right because we live in a culture unfortunately that knows the price tag of everything but the value of nothing we get it all twisted and flipped out of proportion and so we need to be good stewards good stewards to say god whatever you've given me i'm going to put my hand to that i'm going to prosper it i'm going to make it grow and i'm going to use it for your kingdom purposes i'm not just talking about make sure you got a good return on your investment that's important i think that's important to god but it's less about that and more about our heart like god what are we doing with those money what is what are we doing with those funds what are we doing to build eternal fruit lay up treasures in heaven for ourselves the true riches that Jesus talks about, which actually aren't buildings or lights or chairs, they're souls. We'll talk about it a little more in the next two weeks. The true riches are the things that we actually get to take with us. Because when I look at my accounts and my retirement and the house and investments and all of that, remember at the end of this age, it's all gonna burn. It's all, that's a sobering thought. It's all gonna burn. The only thing we can take to heaven with us are people and souls. So how are we investing in that? How are we making that a priority? I want to end with this. You guys all doing good? Parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, 16 through 21. Jesus saying, and then he spoke a parable of saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. He blessed him. And he thought to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? 
So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, bigger ones, and there I'll store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have had many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be that you have provided? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's a lot in here. When I read that parable, I just caught the tone and the attitude of that that manager of money. My barns, my crops, my soul. We've learned something, church, in the last two weeks. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. God's, right? I also find it interesting that God didn't reprimand him for being blessed, wealthy, or successful. God didn't even reprimand him for wanting to build bigger barns. We're all like, selfish, right? God reprimanded him for living for himself, for not being rich towards God, right? He says, I've given you all these resources and all you want to do is kick up your feet and lay them on store for yourself and not give to anybody else. He's like, man, he calls him a fool. That's heavy, right? And so God blesses us supernaturally when we steward his funds well. In the same way when we step out of faith and sow a financial seed, we know the saw, law of sowing and reaping. In the same way when we steward it well, God's hand of blessing can be on that as well. Amen? So remember, we want the two legs of financial blessing. Generosity, which we'll talk about a little more next week and the week after in part of our messages, but also financial stewardship. We need to be balanced financially so that way we can do it God's way. Amen? Because here's what I know. If you're a good steward, and you carry God's money with handle and care that you are not the owner, but you are a steward, God's blessing can be on that, amen? God wants to bless us. So in the next two weeks, we're gonna talk about how to get our finances more in order, how to properly align and order these things so that we can do it God's way. And there'll be a lot more practicals of what to do and what not to do and how to do it or what God's word suggests. Again, God's not trying to control your money because it's not even your money. He's trying to teach us, disciple us, shepherd us of how to manage his money. Amen? And I believe that we can do it by faith. Amen? And wisdom. So what did we talk about this morning? You guys all doing good? God loves you. I love you. Ain't nobody mad. We live, we serve at a really generous church. A lot of you guys get this already. But man, I feel like God's just doing heart surgery in all of us this month in a good way. Amen? No strings attached, no pressure, no manipulation, just straight up, God, what does your word have to say? And so what do we talk about today? Number one, we're not the owners. (laughs) If you just need to keep chewing on that, like I'm chewing on that this month, like that helps me every day. I'm like, I'm gonna, should I? Yeah, I could do that, all right. A lot of times he's like, yes, go ahead, you're blessed. But at least check with the owner. Check with the owner, right? If If he's the owner, and the cool thing is he has an owner's manual called the Bible. It helps us. It's like instructions of how to do this. Like it's in there if we die for it. A lot of time we don't want to look for it, right? So as we lean into, Lord, you're the owner, we're the steward, less of this and more of this, I believe God's going to lead us into deeper wells and deeper places with him, even when it comes to our finances. Number two, we're stewards, right? You're God's money manager, amen? You can add something to your resume this afternoon. From the date I was born till the present, right? God's money manager. 
Now he might be like, and the employer's like, now how have you been doing at that position? Oh, shoot, maybe I don't put that on there, right? Maybe I'm not ready yet. Let me get my stuff in order, right? Or I'm doing okay. If I called him as your reference, what would he say about your management, right? <laughs> Let's just be real, right? Hey, I'm just joking. I'm just playing around. But hey, we're God's money managers. Let's take it seriously, amen? We're stewards. And lastly, number three, let's be good stewards. Let's be good ones, right? Good stewards don't just try to bury it. They multiply it. They maximize it. They say, God, let's build kingdom fruit. Let's make this money go further than we could ever make it go. Let's put it in your hands so that you can multiply it, right? When they brought the loaves and the fishes, it looked like one little boy's lunch. But when they put it in God's hands, come on, somebody, it started to feed 5,000 men, not including the women and children. So when we get the money out of our accounts and out of our hands and into his house and into his hands, he can go, He says, watch what I'm going to do. Amen? It's all about souls. Praise God. And so today we're just going to go to the Father as we close and, and just ask God for help in this as we continue to chew. We talked a lot about the heart the last two weeks. We're going to get a lot into the practical these next two weeks. So I don't want you guys to unhook. If you guys have been learning some stuff, if God has been doing some stuff, man, this is great. Amen. We all need to hear this, whether we like it or not, whether our flesh likes it or not. We need to hear this because we want to be good stewards. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. And God's watching. Amen. So let's go to the Father and say, Father, help us in all of these areas. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that you are a loving father that has good plans for his kids. Lord, you want what's best for us. Lord, you're not trying to take away from us. You're not trying to beat us over the head or scold us. You're trying to love us to even a higher and better place when it comes to our possessions and our finances. Lord, I pray that the spirit of mammon, the spirit of the world, the spirit of consumerism, the spirit of materialism is being broken off of us as we continue to open the word of God, which reads us and reads our hearts. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that we have a freedom to be stress-free when it comes to finances, not knowing that all the needs and the bills go away, but Lord, that you are with us and you are our source. And Father God, we want to have proper perspective when it comes to your resources to the money you've entrusted with us, help us continually remind ourselves that we are not owners, we are stewards. And Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit and the wisdom of your word that you'd help us be good stewards, to maximize and to multiply it for your kingdom purposes, to be rich towards God and rich towards you, Father, to lay up treasures in heaven, not treasures there, down here on earth that will just burn up and be, be no more. Father, we love you so much. We trust you. We want to take a step of faith even today and ask these questions, Lord, is there anything in our financial condition right now that you would want us to change? Is there anything that you want to put your finger on and just let us ponder with you, talk to you about? Is there any allocation in our budget, the Lord God, that, that we need to adjust? That we'd just be open-handed with these conversations, not quick to make a decision, but, but Lord, we talk it. If we're married, Lord, we would talk it out with our spouse. We'd get in alignment so that you could bless it, where there's unity. God, you command your blessing. And Father God, I thank you that you're taking us all individually and corporately to another level with you. Blessed to be a blessing, Lord. We receive it by faith, and we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. So be it. Praise God.